book of Acts in chapter number 1. Let's go ahead and begin reading with verse number 1. Acts 1, verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Of course, that's referring uh, back to the book of Luke. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Ghost to give commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye should be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thy this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as you have seen him go into heaven. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we bow before you tonight, I do want to thank you for another privilege that we have to read the word of God and another opportunity to stand to preach. And Lord, I realize without you I can do nothing. And I pray for your power and your wisdom. And I ask the Lord that you'd help me to say what ought to be said tonight. You know every need, you know every heart. I pray you'd minister to each need tonight. Lord, I just pray you bless your word and bless the truth and meet each, each need that's, uh, that's present here tonight. Uh, may you get glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk about uh, the soon return of Jesus. You know, uh, this is a message that, that I've preached on a lot, I guess, over the years. and I, I may have preached uh, more on this subject than any other subject. Uh, but it's a subject that uh, takes up a great deal of the Bible. And I don't think that you can preach all the counsel of God and not deal with this subject and deal with it often. And certainly in the day in which we're living, uh, I believe that it ought to be dealt with even more because I believe, as I preached recently, that we are the generation upon whom the ends of the world are come. And as we approach that, uh, that coming, uh, I believe that we need to hear it more. Uh, that uh, the Lord Jesus, that's the hope. That's the hope of the believer, is the coming of the Lord. And we uh, should never lose sight of that fact. That that's the thing that we're to keep our eyes on, uh, is the coming of the Lord. Now, sometimes we can get uh, distracted and uh, by a lot of different things to take our attention away from what it's all about. And the central theme is that we're to get ready for another world, and we're to try to prepare others, 
Try to win people to Christ and then prepare them uh, to live with the Lord forever. Uh, the Bible talks about Abraham in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11. Uh, Brother Griffin dealt uh, with uh, some things in that chapter. Uh, Abram was a, a wealthy man uh, when he, he was called out of Ur of the Chaldees and uh, he went there to dwell in the land of Canaan. Uh, but Abraham lived in the tent. Uh, why did he do that? I don't think he had to. I think he probably could have built a city. But the Bible said he looked for a city which hath foundations as builder and maker was God. God evidently uh, showed him, uh, I believe, that New Jerusalem and that eternal city of God as the Lord was dealing with him uh, back there. And uh, Jesus said that Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad that he understood the coming of Christ. How could he have known that except the Lord had revealed it to him? And he, in Hebrews again, he said he looked for that city whose builder and maker was God. How could he have known about such a city unless the Lord had made this known to him? And uh, after that experience, I don't believe that Abraham was ever satisfied in this world. He always kept his eyes on the next world because it so, uh, you know, transfigured his mind and, and it was so greater than anything that this world had to offer. We think of Moses there uh, as uh, uh, the treasures of Egypt come before him. And the Bible said he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And he leaves Egypt, goes to the wilderness there. And then God sends him back and spends 40 more years in the wilderness leading him there. Never got to enter the promised land. Uh, but uh, he made a right decision. And he was not distracted by this world. And there are uh, many other examples. The Apostle Paul when he has his experience in 2 Corinthians uh, there, chapter 12, and he said he was caught up in, into paradise, into the third heaven. And he writes in Philippians 1, he said, I have a desire to depart and, and be with Christ, which is far better. He said, I'm in the street betwixt two. I'd rather be there, but it's needful that I be with you. And the only real purpose he had, I think, for staying upon this earth was to be used of God. And may God help us not to get our focus and our attention on the wrong things, but to keep our eyes on the important thing. And the important thing is that this is the generation that will meet Jesus in the air. And we should never lose sight of that. And I want to just remind you of some simple things tonight uh, that uh, uh, we all know, but we just need to be reminded and if we can leave this place tonight thinking a little more about it and during this coming week our thoughts will be turned to the coming of the Lord, then it will be worth the time that we spent together tonight. The first thing I'd like to mention is that His return is sure. His return is sure. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can prevent it from happening. The Bible said in Galatians 4, and verse 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, 
When it came time for Jesus to be born, he was born. He was not born one day too soon or one day late. And I want to say when it's time for Jesus to return, he'll be here. He'll not be a day early. He'll not be a day late. I've heard preachers talk about we need to try to hasten the coming of the Lord. Uh, I don't find that in the Scripture. Or uh, wait a little longer, please, Jesus, that somehow or another uh, we can delay the coming of the Lord. God has a plan for eternity, and nothing can disturb that plan. He will be on time, just like He promised. His return is sure. The Bible said in Hebrews 10, verse 37, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now I know it talks about in Matthew 25, while the bridegroom tarried. But I think if you study that in the context of the parable of the ten virgins there, that uh, in the minds of the people, the bridegroom seemed to tarry. But I, in Hebrews it said, He will not tarry. He that shall come will come and will not tarry. His return is sure. Jesus promised it. In John 14, He says, uh, uh, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. If Jesus does not come back, then Jesus lied, because he said he'd come back. And if Jesus could lie, then he's not God. And if he's not God, then we don't have a Savior, because the Bible said it's impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for him to sin. If he could sin, I heard a preacher one time talking about there on the Mount of Temptation, that Jesus could have sinned. I don't believe that. I believe in the impeccability of Jesus Christ. That means he was God, and being God, he could not do wrong. It was impossible for him to sin. Aren't you glad of that? That makes their salvation secure. If it's possible for God to sin, then what kind of security do we have for the future? We have none. But I want to say to you tonight, it's impossible for God to do wrong. It's impossible for him to sin. That gives me a great comfort, a great deal of comfort and, and encouragement. Jesus said, I'm coming back. And nothing can stop it. If, if he uttered it, if the words came out of his mouth, he cannot go against his word. Jesus promised it. Not only that, but the angels proclaimed it here. If these were angels, it said these two men, they may not have been angels. But he said they stood there, and they says, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. May I remind you, this is not talking about the rapture. We apply to the rapture. But he's talking about the revelation when he comes to set up his kingdom. The coming of the Lord Jesus is in two parts. The rapture has to do with the church. has nothing to do with the Old Testament saints. People talk about the rapture. When the rapture takes place, that we'll meet uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Daniel, all the Old Testament saints in their glorified bodies. We will not. And you already have to, and I don't have time to get into all that tonight, but I encourage you to say the book of Daniel chapter 12. Now they're in paradise, they're with the Lord, 
but they don't have the glorified bodies yet. And I've heard preachers preach that. All Old Testament saints have the glorified body. But Peter, standing up the day of Pentecost, said, David is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre's with us to this day. Don't sound to me like he's got a glorified body. And that was after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. So uh, uh, the, the rapture has to do with the church and only with the church. And when the rapture takes place, all those that are dead and alive, that are born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, and will go to be with Jesus in the air. Go up to meet him in there, get a glorified body, meet Jesus in the air, and go to the judgment seat of Christ and while the seven-year tribulation is going on upon this earth, we'll be there with him. Then we're coming back with him. Jude talks about that. Behold the Lord, Enoch. Enoch, uh, he talks about Enoch prophesied. Behold the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Amen. Enoch didn't have a word of written scripture, but he, uh, he, he wasn't a liberal. He is a fundamentalist. Uh, he believed in, uh, in the rapture of the church and the revelation. Uh, he understood a lot more than people that's been through college and seminary and have D.D. degrees, Dr. Doolittle degrees. But uh, anyway, uh, we find that uh, uh, we're coming back with him. That's what he's talking about here. This same Jesus, how did he go away? He went away from the Mount of Olives. How's he coming back? Coming back to the Mount of Olives. Zechariah talks about it. And you can read it there in chapter 14. And so the angels proclaimed it, and the scriptures predicted it over and over. Someone counted up and said, one verse out of every 13 in the New Testament tells us that Jesus is coming back. In the epistles, one verse out of every 10 tells us the Lord's coming back. My grandmother lived to be in her 90s. She said, when I was growing up as a girl, you hardly ever heard a preacher talk about the coming of the Lord. And she said, now preachers are preaching everywhere about it. And so I'm glad that he's coming back, aren't you? His return is sure. We need not lose sight of it. Second of all, his return will be supernatural, both in the rapture and in the revelation. His return will be supernatural. He went away without a space suit, without a spacecraft, without any natural man-made means. He went away from the Mount of Olives, past the moon, past the sun, past the stars, past the Milky Way, past the galaxies and the whole business into the third heaven. And he's coming back supernaturally. You talk about a world being shocked. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to be going, going in, you know, in, on that trip. Yeah. But a way I'd like to, and maybe the Lord will let us listen in on some of it. Of course, I kind of believe we'll be so busy about more important things, we won't be interested in much of that. But uh, it'd be interesting to know the reaction of the world and, uh, and how Tom Brokaw and all these other fellows react uh, to, that, uh, to that event and that invasion. How are they going to explain it? Uh, and, uh, but it's going to be a supernatural event. It's going to be something that only God could perform. His return will be supernatural. That means it'll be beyond the natural. And I realize a lot of people don't believe in that, don't believe in miracles, but God's been doing miracles a long time. And uh, he's going to perform the greatest miracle one day when he opens up the graves and 
whether you believe they'll be open or won't open, that's, uh, I'm not going to debate you on that. You know, I kind of believe they'll open, but, uh, you know, if they don't open, that'll be all right. <laughs> uh, the saved's going to get out of there, but uh, that's going to be some, some more happening, isn't it? I mean, something's going to happen that's never happened before. And, of course, it, it's happened before as far as there in Gethsemane uh, when, uh, or there in the garden tomb when they put the body of Jesus. He came out. And, of course, a lot of the world don't believe that, but so anyway. And uh, that ensures our resurrection. It's going to be a supernatural. The resurrection of the dead is going to be supernatural. And we studied about that in more detail around resurrection time or Easter time. And so... Uh, it's going to be a supernatural event, as it was here. These men, uh, after experiencing this ascension, it transformed their lives. They go and are filled with the Spirit of God, and their lives are never the same. And there's going to be a great transformation when Jesus comes back in this supernatural event. Let me move along. Not only is it going to be supernatural, but it's also going to be selective. Selective. I'm talking about when he comes in the rapture now. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 4, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. There is no general resurrection, no general coming of the Lord. It's going to be a selective event. And when he comes in the rapture, the only one's going to be taken. You know, I kind of hope it'll be on Sunday morning. By the time I'm about halfway through preaching. Well, it might be good to get the invitation over with. <laughs> right after the invitation. I don't care when it is. This, this, uh, as John said, even so come Lord Jesus. Uh, that's the way we ought to be. You say, well, if I could see what he saw, that's the way I'd be. Well, look in the book of Revelation and see it. <laughs> he wrote it down. You may not have the experience, but you can see by faith what he saw. And it so excited him, he said, come on. He got uh, tired of this world. Of course, he'd been banished to the Isle of Patmos there. And uh, uh, he was, uh, of course, excited about, about what he had seen there. But this is going to be a selective event. And uh, uh, if it happens on Sunday morning, I want to tell you something. Not everybody's sitting on the pews going. And some churches probably won't miss anybody, including the preacher. I mean, they'll carry right on, carry their, their little form on and go through their little thing and, and uh, dismiss the service and everybody go home just like nothing happened. But I hope at Maranatha Baptist Church they ain't anybody left. <laughs> I hope everybody's gone. And, but it's going to be a selective event and only save people are going to be taken if we believe Jesus died and rose again. And those that don't believe that won't go. Them that sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now for those that believe when you die, you go to the graveyard. Does the Bible say anywhere when Jesus comes back, he's coming from the graveyard? The Bible tells me he's in the third heaven. And if he brings them with him, that means they must be there. Hey, you know, you don't have to be too smart. I'm not too smart, but I can figure that out. You know, if he brings them with him, then they must be there with him. Aren't you glad of that? That makes death a whole, you know, death is hard. 
And uh, the Bible didn't say not to sorrow. It said we don't sorrow like those that have no hope. It's different. We do have hope. And uh, that uh, uh, we're not taking our loved ones. We're only taking the old house they lived in, the old body that's diseased and wore out and planting that old house out in the, out in the cemetery. But they've already gone to be with the Lord if they're saved. And uh, his return is going to be selective. And he's going to resurrect the, the bodies and change us that we're still alive and glorify the whole bunch and we'll go to be with Jesus. His return will be selective. Hebrews 9.28 said unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin and the salvation. All people looking for Jesus save people. And we're not looking for him all the time like we ought to. His return will be selective. There will be homes where husbands will be taken and wives will be left. And wives will be taken and husbands will be left. Children will be taken and parents will be left. His return will be selective. Will be selective. Not only that, his return will be surprising. Will be surprising. I'm going to be honest with you. There are times that if the Lord come at that moment, I would be shocked with you because I may have gone through the whole day and hadn't thought about the Lord very little or if any. I'm so wrapped up and so busy with this and that and the other that my attention had not been on the Lord. But you know, we ought to be ready. We ought to be looking for Him. We ought to be expecting Him. We ought to wake up every morning and say, maybe today. And if he doesn't come today, go to bed at night and say, maybe tonight, maybe tonight I'll be suddenly awakened and find myself in the presence of Jesus. Won't that be something? <laughs> you hear the trump sound and you find that it's already happened and the Lord's called and you've glorified and you're in the air and you're in his presence. His return will be surprising though. The Bible said, Matthew 24, 44, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, the Bible talks about he'll come as a thief in the night. But verse 4 said, That day shall not overtake you as a thief. We're to be expecting him. He said, I'm coming. I'll be there. Look for me. You know, if someone call me up and say, At 12 o'clock tonight, uh, I'm going to kick your door down and... and uh, and, and I'm coming in. Brother Thomason used that as an illustration this morning in Sunday school. But uh, a thief don't do that, does he? But if he'd done that, I'd be waiting on him. <laughs> and I wouldn't be there to shake his hand and say, Welcome, Mr. Thief. <laughs> you warned me, and I'm glad to see you. No, not at all. But you know, the Lord said, I'm coming. Expect me. I'm coming back. And if he comes, it ought to shock us. Ought to say, you said you'd be here. Just didn't know when you was coming. But you promised to come. And I'm glad to see you. You say, well, I don't think it'll be like that. Well, the Bible says when we're, we're encouraged, we'd not be ashamed at his coming. And uh, uh, well to be uh, serving him and living for him and 
and doing what he told us to do. Not to get into heaven, we get there by the blood of Jesus, but to have a reward and be pleasing to him. His return, though, will be surprising to multitudes of people, and even a lot of times people that are saved will be shocked and surprised. And you pray for me. Uh, my, my grandmother, I told you, lived to be in her 90s. She, uh, her whole life was wrapped up in the things of God. I believe you can, if, you know, the Bible says pray without ceasing. I think if anyone ever, ever lived that scripture, she did. She uh, stayed all night. In fact, uh, uh, the, the folks, uh, the, the husband, the man's dead now. His wife, she attended church here a, a few uh, months ago. I think it's been now. And uh, uh, But she, uh, she spent the night with them. This happened many years ago. And, and uh, they heard her and they thought, well, something's wrong with her. And they went in and she was praying. But she was still asleep. She was talking in her sleep. She was talking to the Lord. You know why she was doing that? Because her mind and her thoughts and her waking moments was spent with the Lord. And when you do that consciously, then uh, that's, what you, that's what you dream about unconsciously. Sometimes that'd be a message, wouldn't it? We'll examine our dreams sometime and think about what we, what we dream about and the kind of nightmares we have. Some of that's because the TV's watched. But uh, anyway, uh, we need to be looking for his coming and, and expecting it every day and every night. And God help us not to live one single day without at least giving one thought during that day that Jesus may come back today. And we need to be reminded of that. That's the reason if I'm driving down the road, you know, put in a, uh, a gospel tape or a scripture tape or turn it to a Christian radio station and uh, listen to some preaching, listen to some good gospel singing. You know why? Because I want my mind to be conditioned to think about the things of God. I don't want my mind thinking about this world all the time. His return will be surprising finally. His return will be soon. Isn't that wonderful? The thing that surprises me the most tonight, as I've said before, is that we're still here. If you'd asked me 10 years ago, would we be here in 1996? I said, no way. We'll already be with the Lord. We'll be in the tribulation or we'll be in the millennium. <laughs> but here we are. God's keeping the clock and he'll not be late, as I said. His return will be sure. And uh, you've heard me preach over and over about the signs of the times. Uh, we, uh, you know, you listen to the news and, and it just tells you that uh, things are happening. A uh, situation over there in, in, in Israel and, and uh, with uh, uh, Israel and, and uh, Lebanon there, the Hamas, is that the terrorist group they were exchanging fire with? And... and uh, Syria and, and all that and Iran and, and it just reminds you of Ezekiel 38. If you refresh your mind on that again, read about those line, the lineup of the nations that will join against Russia and the, the upcoming election in Russia. Uh, that's of major concern because 
they think that, uh, uh, what's the present ruler? You don't know either, okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'll think of it in a minute, maybe. Yeltsin, that's it. Uh, there's a fellow that hadn't uh, got Alzheimer's yet. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, they, there's another fellow, I understand, that's, that's opposing him, that's a communist, hardline communist, and, and they say he's ahead in the polls. And, and uh, you know, uh, look like Congress is going to have a nervous breakdown. And, and, uh, but I've said all the time, Russia, you know, we can throw away all their weapons that we want to, but that's not what the Bible says. Oh, we don't have a we don't have a problem. Let's cut all of that military and uh, and let's uh, let's just uh, lay back and take it easy because Russia is no longer a threat. Better read the Bible again. Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine hadn't been fulfilled yet. And uh, I'm like O.B.R. Lake, and how can you have peace with a coming out of, a loose devil coming out of Christ in the battle of Armageddon yet to be fought? And you read the book of Joel before you read uh, another uh, old book of Micah there in the Old Testament. And uh, the book of Joel says, Prepare war, wake up the mighty men, and beat your plows into swords. We love that scripture, and the United Nations has that scripture. And Mike, I believe it is, where he says they'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And they think they're going to bring it about. But they hadn't brought it about yet. <laughs> and uh, so uh, they like that scripture, but you better read Joel, Joel 2 or 3, maybe it's chapter 3, I think it is there. Read that chapter, and it gives the exact opposite. Before Armageddon, that scripture in Micah is after Armageddon and during when Christ reigns in the millennial reign. That's right. And up before the millennium, before Armageddon, Joel applies. And we better wake up as a nation. And of course, I know all this in the plan of God and God's working and and we should not be all upset about it. God's will will be done regardless of what we do and try to do. We cannot stop the plan of God and the program of God. But, uh, uh, you know, all these things, I could go on and on. All these things are telling us that the coming of the Lord is soon. And it's just like, just like the puzzles or the pieces of the puzzle. Putting, you know, you ever, you ever put together, I haven't put together a puzzle in a long time. Some people just love that sort of thing. Teaches you patience to get these thousand, five thousand piece puzzles and all of them looks alike. And they begin to get the outline and begin to get the pieces together. You get down to the, about the last ten pieces, boy, it is, it is, stick them in there. It don't take long, does it? I like them puzzles about ten pieces. <laughs> them kindergarten puzzles. But I simply use that as an illustration that the coming of the Lord, the, the, you know, uh, for years you couldn't see maybe a lot of happening, but we're down to the last few pieces. And it seemed like everything that's happening. You know, that's just like God said over here and God said over here and that prophet 3,000 years ago said, and, and right there it is, coming right into place. God's working that, those nations in the Middle East and working his plan 
to bring about this thing to a consummation and bring Jesus back. And one of these days, it's going to happen. We're going home. And in that instant, all your problems will seem as nothing. They'll disappear. Paul said, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I think of what he went through. I never went through nothing. I think of what he went through. <laughs> he said, when I think of what God has for me, this is nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Beaten. <laughs> Beaten with rods. Beaten with 39 stripes. Shipwrecked. In and out of jail. Read his story there in 2 Corinthians 11, I believe it is. Read about it. And all he went through, he said, it's not even, wor not even worthy to mention <laughs> compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. I'm glad he's coming, aren't you? And I'm just glad to be reminded of it again tonight.